This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit cineoshealth.com slash podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Wednesday, October the 10th. I'm your host, Shannon Jones. Ordinarily, Todd Campbell is joining me via Skype, but we've got a special treat today. Uh, we are actually joined in studio with Todd Campbell, live in the flesh. Um, Hi, Shannon. Hello, Todd. You're real. You're not a bot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like I'm not artificial intelligence That's or right. hologram. Or... And even more so, we've got two of what I consider our healthcare experts, and really even more so experts in the marijuana industry right now. We've got Mr. Keith Spates. Spites. Spites. Spates. Spites. Either way. <laughs> it works. Keith is here, listeners. And then Mr. Marijuana himself, Sean Williams. Guys, welcome to the show. So, so, so glad to have you here in the studio. It's fun to be here. Yeah. Thank you. So, listeners, you are in for a treat today because we're going to be talking about marijuana. And yes, this is one week before marijuana goes legal in Canada. So, we're going to be giving you a quick background and overview of what the industry is all about. But also, too, really excited to hear from the experts themselves their top picks, and also, what are some of the risks and challenges that this industry is going to be facing, too? So, uh, let's actually dive right in. I want to actually lay the groundwork here. So, oftentimes here at The Full, one of the most frequently asked questions that we get when it comes to the marijuana industry is, is this really legit? Is this a legit industry? Is this really just, you know, the sketchy corner dispensary down the street. Is there really some legs to this industry? What can you guys tell us about what the marijuana industry is all about, what it's made up of? What can you give the listeners? Anyone want to jump in? Keith? Uh, I can jump in, uh, and you guys can jump in after me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is legitimate. Obviously, there's some sketchy uh, players out there, so you have to beware. But it's very legitimate. The uh, and but I think the thing everyone needs to realize, we're really talking about two different markets here. Uh, you've got the medical marijuana market. You've got the recreational marijuana market. They're they're quite different. And uh, you know, obviously, medical marijuana has been legal in uh, several countries already. Uh, it's been legal in Canada for a while. It's been legal in quite a few states. I think we're up to 30 states now, uh, plus D.C. And then on the recreational side in the U.S., you've got uh, nine states now that have legalized it. I think Michigan is voting in November. Got two and, states uh, voting. Yeah, two states voting. Uh, Michigan is one of the big ones. Uh, right. And the latest I saw, the polls look like it's probably going to pass. Sure. So we're going to have more states. Uh, of course, the other thing to remember is that it's still illegal at the federal level in the U.S. And then the other aspect I think you have to look at is that there are different geographies involved. You know, a lot of times, all the hype right now is Canada. And, you know, Canada is a big market. And you just mentioned Shannon. They, the uh, market for recreational marijuana opens up in just a few days, and everybody's anxious to see how that's going to turn out. But they've had medical marijuana legal for several years now. Uh, you've got Germany, 
that uh, legalized medical marijuana last year, and that's a very big market. You know, they're the largest population in the European Union, so that's an important market. But we can't leave out the good old USA. Uh, the U.S. currently, from the latest information I saw, it accounts for 85 percent of total marijuana sales in the world. Wow. Right? Everybody's talking about Canada. The U.S. is where it's at, even though it's still illegal at the federal level. Even a few years from now, you know, obviously Germany's going to grow, Europe's going to grow, Canada's going to grow. Even in a few years from now, the U.S. is still going to account for probably three-quarters of all marijuana sales. So, you know, you have to look at all of this. And so, when you see all the Canadian stocks getting all the hype, the bigger market is right here at home. And really... The Canadian market is pretty small fish in the big sea. You know, I think that um, even with medical marijuana having been around in, in Canada available, um, you're still not talking about a ton in sales, maybe a billion, I right. think is what they're predicting for 2019. I think mm-hmm. totally combined, including recreational, maybe you get five to seven billion or something like that. The global marijuana market is 150 billion, if you include, you know, of course, the black market. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a major chance to disrupt. I agree with you, Keith, that I think that this, this is a real. This is a real industry, and there's a lot of disruption going on here. If you are a listener that's just kind of getting, you're new to the whole marijuana thing. What the heck is this whole marijuana thing about? Maybe just a little bit of background. So we're talking about cannabis, right? Cannabis sativa is the plant. Um, You may be familiar with hemp, which is a type of cannabis sativa. Uh, hemp has been used industrially, industrially for about 7,000 years, and uh, matter of fact, was a, a major, major product that was, uh, or ingredient, if you will, for things like rope and paper and everything back in the colonial times. Matter of fact, you used to be able to pay your tax bill, Sean. <laughs> you used to be able to pay it. In cannabis seeds, wow. which is kind of cool. Yes, you could go into yeah. your, your local government and pay your taxes. Didn't George Washington grow hemp? I, and Thomas Jefferson Thomas set Jefferson, aside yeah. some of the best land he had. Yeah. I'm going to have to see hemp. what my state says about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today, probably not so much. Yeah. Not so much. You know, but what we're talking about with marijuana is the female plant, and we're talking about the bud of the female plant. That's the dried flower that people think of as when they're talking about the commodity part of the marijuana business. And I'm sure that um, we'll chat a little bit about the differences between the commodities and not. But you are going to have two very distinct markets. Uh, and that's going to be the commodity. I'm growing, say, tobacco, or I'm growing wheat, or I'm growing whatever it is I'm growing. And then you're going to have the finished good market, or the value-add market, however you want to refer to it. Uh, and those are going to be the things like you know, oils, cannabis oils, and CBD, and those kind of things. And then to your point, Keith, you have this whole separate market which could be theoretically very large in the medical marijuana space. And, uh, and most likely, we're talking about prescription medical marijuana. Yeah, absolutely. So we've established here, the industry itself is legit. There are different segments of the industry that are really building up and have been around uh, for quite some time. Let's actually talk about what excites you most about the marijuana industry. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Sean? Yeah, I'll kick this one off. Um, you know, there's a lot of marijuana stocks that have come out and just given these huge pie-in-the-sky figures of how much they're going to grow, 700,000, 500,000 kilograms. But there's a lot more to marijuana than just 
growing it. And what I'm really interested in seeing beyond just the sales figures, beyond just the expected profitability, I want to see these companies differentiate themselves. And that, I think, is going to be the most exciting part. Um, instead of seeing these companies grow just traditional dried cannabis, what I'm looking forward to is the cannabis alternatives. And by alternatives, I'm talking about vapes, I'm talking about cannabis oils, I'm talking about edibles, infused beverages, which have been incredibly popular over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. If you've watched any sort of market mover list, you've seen these companies at the top of the list, regardless of their size, um, from all the way from Tilray down to New Era Beverages Corporation, New Age Beverages Corporation, excuse me. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to be able to do, how they're going to differentiate themselves once these, once these new forms of consumption are available. What I will preface this with, and what I would remind investors at home, is that these new alternatives, you won't see most of these hitting the market come October 17th. Dried flour and cannabis oil have given, been given the thumbs up from the Canadian federal government. Every other form, so we're talking vapes, concentrates, uh, edibles, um, infused beverages, they're supposed to be discussed sometime next year. But there's no timetable on that. There's It's simple promises and industry expectations at this point. That's a great point, Sean. I think that not many people who are following the marijuana market recognize that you're talking about not having those things available until next year, that we're really just talking about you know, the dried flower at this point. And I've seen some studies, Sean, and you've probably seen the same ones, that showed that the it's the edibles and the uh, vapes and concentrations those are the most profitable segments of the industry. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I have I have seen those studies. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do with it, but there's no guarantee that it's going to be a, pro, a profitable venture right out the gate, or when it's even going to happen. Right. Well, it also is a it's a major market opportunity because if you think about your addressable market, your addressable market of people who are going to go out and they're going to buy dried cannabis. You're really people who want to smoke it. Maybe you bake with it. Right. But I think that when you have it in edibles and infused beverages and you make it easier, a lot of consumers that maybe otherwise wouldn't have tried it will say, hmm, I'm going to give this a shot, see what it's like. And there's a lot of complexity, obviously, associated with that. But I think, I think that I, I agree with you. I think that's an exciting, exciting potential. Well, I'll take a different different angle on this. I, I'm, uh, my, the healthcare guy in me will come out here. I'm excited about the medical potential. For marijuana, you know, we just had the first plant-based marijuana drug, Ep Epidiolex, get approved. I, I love some of these names; they just really roll <laughs> off the tongue, don't they? Uh, but you know, I think there's more potential than may maybe people realize for different cannabinoids. And obviously, the focus now is on CBD, but there are dozens and dozens of other cannabinoids that have not been researched. Over a hundred, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over a hundred. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. And um, who knows? I mean, in, in a way, you know, marijuana has been under kind of a stigma for so long, but there could be some real medical potential here. And, uh, you know, we, we see it with the rare forms of epilepsy now, but who knows? I mean, schizophrenia, I mean, there are quite a few indications that you know, this plant could yield some some ingredients that uh, really help patients down the road. So that, that's what excites me. Absolutely. I'm with you there, Keith. Yeah. I think the potential on the medical side is huge. When you talk about movement disorders, neurologic right. disorders, I mean, it really 
in terms of growth opportunities for CBD medical marijuana to really dive into that sector even more and to really see how that plays out, not just on um, for epidiolex. Obviously, for members who uh, or listeners who have been following that particular story, to see that happen, that was a monumental moment. And that was Absolutely. in what, May or June of this June, year? June 25th. June, yeah. um, and so for epidiolex to get the first FDA approval for CBD. Yeah. And and even more than just the approval, the scheduling. With yes, the, the, the scheduling the DEA, too. You know, they got a great uh, Schedule 5, schedule which five. is as good as you can get. Yeah. And yeah. so that makes, that really helps GW Pharmaceuticals, who, who, who is marketing epidiolex, that's really going to help them get it, get that drug out. And there's a human element too. I mean, you know, the, the, Initial indications are incredibly uh, treatment resistant, right? And these people are suffering. I think I want to say up to seventy drop seizures a month. Yeah. And in trials, it reduced those drop seizures by about forty percent, right. depending on the study you're looking at, forty to fifty yeah. percent. So it's a re- it's really moving the needle. It is. Yeah, truly remarkable. So multiple areas that are exciting uh, for investors to be watching here. On the other side of the break, we'll actually be sharing our top picks when it comes to the marijuana industry. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they've created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. All right, so we're back, and now the moment you all have been waiting for, I get the chance to pick the brains of our marijuana gurus and experts. I want to hear about your top picks. Sean, how about you kick us off? All right, why not? So, I'm weird. I like small cap stocks. That's me. That's always lean right been into me. it. <laughs> I'm weird. So uh, I, I have I have two two companies that are sort of we'll call them a one A and a one B. I can't pick between like which one I like more. Uh, but there but there are two. The first is Organogram Holdings. Organogram it's it's a pretty small company. Um, you know under one billion dollar market cap. The interesting thing about Organogram is people forget about it. It's Atlantic-based. There are no Atlantic-based growers that are big. I mean, they're, they're the small-time players. But here's Organogram kicking out an expected 113,000 kilograms a year. That's, that's going to put it in the top 10, I believe. And everyone's forgetting about it. You've got all the growers are in British Columbia. They're in, they're in Ontario. They're in Quebec. There are, there, there are no Atlantic growers. That gives it a geographic advantage over everyone else. And what I really like about Organogram, other than the fact that CEO Greg Angle was nice enough to give me an, interv- an interview. Good interview. Too, good interview, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Greg Greg Angle, if you're listening. Uh, is the fact that they're really maximizing their grow space. Uh, they have a 480,000 square foot grow space up in Moncton, uh, New Brunswick, I believe it is. Moncton, New Brunswick, uh, across two facilities. Most growers have a million, maybe more than a million square feet of growing space, and they're kicking out about 100,000 kilograms a year. They're kicking out, Organogram's kicking out 113,000 kilograms and 480,000 square feet because they have a three-tier grow system. 
They're focused on those high margin cannabis oils. They really have a good patient focus. Uh, they really want to move into the alternatives once they come out. It sounds like they're really excited about that. At least that's the impression I got from Greg Angle. So that's Organogram. Really excited about it. A little sketchy on the valuation because that's what all marijuana stocks are right now. But that, that's that's probably the 1A. If there's a 1B, it's CanTrust based in uh, Ontario. The interesting thing about CanTrust, uh, they're growing through uh, hydroponics, which is rather than growing plants in soil, they were growing them in a nutrient-rich water solvent. Uh, along with their containerized bench system, which is supposed to help with, uh, with harvesting, they should have less lumpy harvesting. You know, normally you plant the crop, X amount of time later you, you, you harvest the crop. This will be a lot faster, a lot, a lot more continuous, and hopefully should help with long-term supply deals. It doesn't hurt that they've been profitable, too. Mm, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. You know, one of the things I was thinking about when, when we were asked to kind of pick out names, I mean, you, you Obviously, you could go and say, hey, Tilroy, or Aurora. No, don't. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't. You know, I mean, you know, I'm worried. These things are... So I think it's kind of cool to hear about something that's under the radar like that, you know? And I think it's something that's valuable to our listeners to recognize there are other companies out there. And of course, those companies also present some pretty, you know, extreme risks, too, <laughs> that everybody should be um, thinking about. You know, when I when I was trying to settle in on what I would pick, I, I decided that I wanted to try and see if I could focus on finding a company that maybe was getting a little bit forgotten but wasn't quite as small. And I settled on Afria. And Afria is arguably it could be the I guess I think it's gonna be the third biggest player in Canada. They're they're on pace for about two hundred and fifty five thousand kilograms of production early next year. And what's really interesting to me about them is that two hundred and fifty thousand kilograms of their production is being done in greenhouses. And the reason that that's important is that greenhouse production is cheaper than indoor production by a lot. And if that gives them a competitive advantage where maybe, maybe, if you're going out and it becomes an issue of mar most marijuana demand ends up being for ingredient rather than dried flour, then the low-cost provider could have a valuable edge over some of these other companies. So I think that that's something that, that really attracted me to it. I also kind of like that they're not, you know, I'm not going to say promotional, um, but they, they haven't been as aggressive, they haven't been as out in front of everybody as these other companies. And it makes me feel like maybe they're just putting their head down and getting their work done and establishing themselves in this business. So I, I, I kind of like that. And one of the reasons that I like that is because its valuation, I don't think, is nearly as stretched as some of these other ones. I, I looked earlier today, and I, I think we're about $3 billion market cap. And for comparison, a Canopy is still over $10 billion. And Aurora obviously being much larger, too. Now, they're bigger companies. I mean, Canopy is going to crank out, what, 500000 I think, Sean? Yeah, right yeah Kilograms, there. and I think uh, Aurora is you know, aiming for five. 570, but that doesn't even count ICC labs. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's not going to be as big as they are, but it may have an edge in pricing and profitability. I mean, if you look at, you know, over the last 12 months, their ability to translate more money, you know, down after all their expenses, you know, it, it, it it's pretty it's pretty impressive. It's really hard right now when we try and talk valuation with marijuana stocks because they don't make money. Right. And there's so many one-off expenses that are screwing up the net income for these companies. You've got, you know, stock-based compensation, all these other things. So I like to look at, I'm looking at gross margin right now when I look at these companies. And by far, of, of all the biggies, uh, Afri has the highest gross margin. And, you know, if you're comparing Afri to Canopy, by a lot. So I think that that would be the name that 
if I was a new investor coming in considering these, maybe I would look at Afria as one of the first ones I would consider. And I would actually uh, agree with both of you guys. Uh, I like both of the picks that you've mentioned. I'm going to throw in a real twist. Liberty Health Sciences. It's even smaller than Organogram. Um, what I like about Liberty, they're actually based in Canada, but their operations are nearly exclusively in Florida. Now, you might not realize Florida is going projected to be the third biggest marijuana market in the U.S., by 2022, the projections I've seen, I've seen on the low end, $1.7 billion, upwards of $1.8 billion. And it's only medical marijuana legalized in that state. They will rank only behind, of course, California, number one, Colorado, number two. But Florida is projected to be the third biggest marijuana state in the U.S. So that's a big market. Here's the cool thing. The state has very limited licenses for production. They're, they've only awarded 14 licenses. Liberty has one of those. And the licensing they give, it gives the company the ability not only to grow, but to have up to 30 retail dispensaries. So Liberty Health Sciences is positioned in, in the Florida market. They're rapidly cranking out more retail locations, but they also do home delivery throughout the state, medical marijuana. Here's the thing. I talked to um, their CEO, George Scorsis, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Uh, he said their estimate right now is they have about a 15% market share in Florida. But by early next year, they're going to be the biggest producer because they're like, like a lot of the Canadian companies, they're really ramping up their capacity. He thinks there's going to be a lot of product shortages very soon in the state. But he thinks as they ramp up that production capacity, he, he really projects they're going to have a 25% market share. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, that's a CEO. He, he's going to really play this up, right? He's but, probably not going to say that it's... No, no. no. Yeah. But, but, but if you do the math, think about this. Let's say $1.8 billion, okay? And, and that seems to be a consensus-type projection for Florida. $1.8 billion. Even if they don't increase their market share, even if they only have 15%, and I, don't, I won't do the math in my head here, but... The stock, the market cap is only around $360 million right now. This company has some real room to run. You know, so let's say 20%, that's what, $360 million a year out of 20% of the market. Liberty Health Sciences is a company that really has some real opportunity. And we talk about some of these absolutely outrageous valuations, Tilray. Um, you know, <laughs> no name dropping. I mean, honestly, I look at a Liberty Health Sciences flying under the radar, kind of like Organogram flying, you know, flying under the radar, but it's a legitimate business and has some really great business prospects. So I, I like the stock right now. It's so hard, right, Shan, with some of these U.S. marijuana plays? Because we hear all of these people who say, well, you got to be worried about marijuana in the U.S. because... You know, it's not necessarily. We don't necessarily have an administration in Washington right now that's a big fan. We don't. Ha- we have still. It's you know, the change to because of a pity election. It did not do anything to marijuana. It's still Schedule One drug. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of banking res- restrictions. You know, there's these these things that I think maybe, and maybe Keith, that's why. Yeah, People I'm are just sure. sort oh, of. That, that is exactly why the U the the companies that operate primarily in the U S. They still are under that dark cloud. Of, of marijuana being illegal at the federal level, um, you know we could we could place bets on whether or not 
the uh, bill that's being trying, you know, being pushed through right now might pass. That we're, you know, at least the uh, federal laws could change where the government won't get out, will not get in the way of states. But uh, I don't think we're going to see a crackdown. That's my opinion. Yeah, interesting stuff. So we've talked about the huge growth opportunities. Really, how the market is so tremendous for the marijuana industry. But with that, this is still an industry that still has many challenges to go. You kind of alluded to that just now. If there was one thing that kept you up at night when it comes to investing in this space, what is that? I'll kick us off again. It would be that marijuana is seen as the next big thing right now. And every single next big thing that we've seen over the last 25 years has ended in a bubble bursting. We saw it with the internet, internet business-to-business commerce, genomics, 3D printing, cryptocurrency slash blockchain. And I believe we're seeing it with marijuana now. There, there's that worry that history will repeat itself. There's also the worry that even though we haven't seen a lot of precedence of countries legalizing recreational marijuana, we can look south of the border into the U.S. from Canada, and we can see some, some of that precedence in Colorado, Washington, Oregon. And in all three of those states, after a short period of euphoria and demand and consumers just jubilant and ready to buy marijuana, the price per gram of that dried flower, which is mostly what we're going to see in the early going until Parliament in Canada decides to do something about it, there's a good chance that the price per gram is going to drop. The good thing for these marijuana companies is that scale will help them reduce their cost. But there is nothing built into that scale that's going to prevent the price from dropping 20, 30, 40%. It will hurt. And there's a very real chance that these companies, between their high initial spending and if the price of cannabis starts dropping, they may not make anywhere near as much profit as anyone expects. I believe that's the biggest worry. Between the somewhere between history and the price per gram of cannabis falling. Right. I mean, you can have a disruption in an industry, and it could be a real disruption and be a real, you know, real industry market moving event. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you know you're going to have runaway stock prices forever, right? Correct. Yeah. I I would second that Uh, valuation. uh, You know, the valuations are. Absolutely ridiculous, especially with some of the uh, more well-known Canadian stocks. Tilray. Yeah, Tilray. You know, I mean, it's just these stocks have gotten disconnected with the legitimate business prospects. Now, don't get me wrong. Tilray has legitimate business prospects. Their sales are going to grow phenomenally. I mean, there's no doubt. But their stock, it more than reflects those growth prospects, way more than reflects them. So if I were, if I had bought Tilray, I would be running and running like the wind right now, right? You know, but, um, you know, but it, it's not just Tilray. A lot of the stocks are overvalued. And, uh, yeah, I, we're, we're, we're seeing a bubble for sure. But, again, it's a legitimate industry. And over the long run, there are going to be some big winners. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that you, know, one, you guys both made great points. Made me think of something. One of the things that I was, I'm a little bit worried about, is that we are talking about how exciting medicinal marijuana could be, right? And in that excitement, maybe we're forgetting that 
along the way, we've already had GW Pharmaceuticals, which did a beta. They've already had readouts from trials and indications that we thought would be home run indications and easily done. Uh, and those trials have failed. Um, pain being the mm -hmm. best one um, that jumps to mind. Uh, they, they ran a bunch of pain cancer, uh, cancer trials, and those failed to beat the placebo. Um, so, I mean, that, that was kind of a disappointing setback. So, ratcheting back some of the enthusiasm mm -hmm. that you're hearing on today's show mm -hmm. is Todd Cable. Um, and just saying that, you know, okay, yeah, there's going to be fits and starts yeah. along the way. The other thing that keeps me up at night is, you know, just the, the potential risk for the unintended, the unknown. You know, the unintended consequence of this surge in marijuana use. And I think that when we're talking about edibles, I'm not necessarily as concerned, maybe. But there's a part of me, and I don't know if it's because I grew up in the 80s or not, hmm, Reagan times, but, you know, there's a part of me that says, you know, if you're, if you're smoking some smoke into your lungs, maybe there's an unintended health consequence that evolves later on. And the studies that have been done so far have not been able to draw a, a concrete link. And then, unfortunately, that's because a lot of people who smoke marijuana also smoke cigarettes. Yeah. So they've been not, not been able to really separate the two and figure out you know, what's, what's doing what. Now, marijuana does show some anti-cancer properties. Um, so there's some argument there that you know, maybe, maybe we won't see those kind of things. And so, again, we're just speculating things that could keep you up at night. One of those things that keeps me up at night is, is there an unforeseen or unknown consequence that we just don't fully understand yet? Yeah, yeah, and I think all of those points are so valid. I guess if you had a brand new investor to the space, just to close us out, what would be the one thing you would want them to take away from this conversation? I would say, remember, we're still talking about businesses. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on the stock, focus on the business. And uh, just as you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't spend a million dollars to go buy a neighbor's lemonade stand, you know, look at the realistic business prospects and, and make sure that you're paying a price that, that over the long run, you'll get a good return. Excellent. I would emphasize uh, and build on Keith's point, businesses take time to mature. Yeah. Uh, yes. Whereas we've seen all those other businesses I described, the internet, there are plenty of successful internet companies. There could be an Amazon of this group. But it's going to take time. It's not just going to launch out of the gate and be off to the races, and that's that. If the market worked like that, I think we'd all be retired by now. Yeah. Sean, you don't mean that every single one of these is going to become the next Amazon? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Some will actually fail. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's definitely a great point, and that's why, you know, Shannon, guess what I'm going to say? Diversify. <laughs> How did I know that, Todd? <laughs> well, I might say that every once in a while on the show. Uh, people are probably sick of me saying it, but you know, yeah, diversify. You know, yeah. create a little basket if you're really interested and you want to be involved in marijuana um, stocks to have some in your portfolio. I mean, we talk in the past when you talk about truly disruptive things, you know, it doesn't move in a straight line. Um, you may lose a lot of money in, in short certain periods of time, but if you believe that the 150 billion dollar market is being disrupted by legalization globally. Um, and that some of these companies that are at the forefront right now are going to be around in 15, 20 years to benefit from it, then, you know, diversify. Own a few. No wiser words from Todd Campbell. <laughs> diversify. <laughs> but you heard it here first. Um, I just want to say to all three of you, thank you so much for being on this show. 
definitely uh, one of my highlights of really this entire past year that I've been uh, with the Fool.com team. So thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, That's it for this week's industry-focused healthcare episode. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, Keith Spates, Spites, Keith S., (laughs) Sean Williams, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and Fool on. These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast.